Faith is for every believer. The entire Christian life is couched in an attitude of faith. And so I wanna take you to this opening scripture in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 13. We have the same spirit of faith. So this tells me that faith is not a science. It's not just steps. It's not just information. It's actually a spirit. Now, I, I, I was fascinated to see the story of uh, that gentleman on uh, describing his journey in Alpha, which is such a great, a great tool to have in your hands to bring people on that journey. We use it in our church extensively as well. To, because some people come dramatically in one shot, but others it takes time. And everybody comes to Christ differently. I came to Christ in a moment, like in a second. I was 19 years old. I was goofing off uh, as an art student. Uh, and, and then I dropped out of art school. I was going to be an artist. Uh, so I was training to be a painter and a sculptor. And, uh, but then in a search for truth, uh, I dropped out of art school, which is quite an achievement because art school is pretty low on the level anyway. And to <laughs> drop out any further is, you know, but anyway, we were uh, smoking various substances and, uh, and being test pilots for Roche chemicals. But uh, it's... It's like we ended up uh, on, a, on a search for truth, um, trying to get to India to study under gurus, and I was reading all Eastern religions. And, but in the process, we got involved in some uh, occult stuff, you know, like Ouija boards and things like that. And we found our whole house got filled with this really black, evil, fearful presence. And so uh, I didn't know what to do with, it, uh, with all of this. And uh, so I rang up a friend of ours and, who was a spiritualist, and she said, oh, go down to the spiritualist place and you'll touch fingers and chant and pass roses and things and that'll fix you up. Because I had this uncontrollable trembling and fear uh, break out in a cold sweat in, in the night and uh, I, I didn't know what to do about it. And so then uh, she put down the phone and her mother said, don't send him there, send him down to this place. And she had been born again just two weeks before in this uh, little Pentecostal church that had been started by uh, Smith Wigglesworth in New Zealand. And, uh, and so all the converts were still there, so they were quite old. The youth leader was 120, and uh, <laughs> the elders were really old. They're like 300 years old. It, and they all had their old suits on, I think, that they got born again in, like suits from the war. I'm not even talking the First World War, I'm talking <laughs> Boer War. And uh, they were like, uh, and Chris and I walked in and we had long hair and black coats on and bare feet. We were like hippies and hippies talk like this. And uh, so I said, wow, babe, cool vibes in here. And because uh, that's how you do that. And uh, so back on, we looked pretty much the same. Uh, long hair, black coats, bare feet. Front on, we looked a little different. I had a beard. Chris didn't, praise the Lord. And... Uh, <laughs> And we, we went down there and, and we were sitting in the seat in the second row and I'd never seen a guy preach like this guy. He was just like arms going everywhere. and I didn't know what was going on, but, it, but then he said, anybody want to receive Jesus? And, uh, and the woman who had brought us, this woman, the mother, tapped me on the shoulder and said, you put your hand up now. I said, oh, okay. And I went, like, good. So that was it. 
And then he said, come forward. And she did it again. You go forward now. I said, oh, okay. And I thought that like everybody had come. I mean, in some of our ultra-conscious states, we'd been to midnight masses and uh, gone down the front with all these crowds of people and uh, at New Year's Eve or whatever and thought that was kind of cool. And I thought everybody would come down. But got down there and it's like, you know, it was just us. And, uh, and, and so then... We said the prayer, nothing much happened, but he took us out the back. He said, you're the, you're the couple who have been goofing off with this you know, weird stuff. And I said, yeah, it's me. And uh, so he said, well, we're going to pray for you. And, uh, and, uh, and, and I said, oh, that's nice. And I went like this. I thought that was all I knew because I got kicked out of Sunday school when I was a kid and never been back. And uh, so I, that's all I could remember. You go like this and say, our Father who art in heaven. And uh, so I went to do that, our Father and then all these hands are on my head. And they're going, come out! And uh, whoa, what is this? <laughs> they're going, lose him, let him go. And, and, and it just sounded kind of crazy because there's all these old guys with all these old white and blue hands uh, praying for me. And, and, and then strangely though, I felt this thing, this blackness surfacing. And then when it was gone. And I was like, wow. I was crying and I was weeping. I said, thank you, Jesus. Well, I didn't even know who Jesus was. Uh, I, I wasn't sure that him and God were relatives. Uh, and I, didn't, I just said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And then I, I, I kind of couldn't say thank you, Jesus. It wasn't, wasn't coming out of my mouth. like I was going, thank you, And I heard them. They were kind of talking like that. So I just thought, oh, let's go for it. And uh, so suddenly I was speaking in this like heavenly language and they were all doing a Jewish dance. It was like, wow. And I thought, this is awesome. Culturally, we were totally on different planets. And uh, so that, then, uh, you know, uh, they said, you're free and you're filled with the Holy Spirit. I said, woo, whatever all that is, it's awesome. And uh, thank you, Jesus. So I went out and I saw... Chris, who's my girlfriend, who's now my wife. And uh, I said, wow, I'm stoned. I'm really, really stoned. And uh, she said, well, what's happened to you? I said, I don't know, but I'm, I'm as high as a kite. And uh, <laughs> so I just went home and told everybody, we we're cycling. I said, praise the Lord. And, uh, and uh, so that was it. Then, you know, we were living together. So uh, <clears throat> uh, this, this word fornication went across my forehead, you know, when I went home that night. And, and I didn't know what it meant, but I felt really bad about being in the same bed with Chris. And so I went to the pastor who was, a, he was from England. He was a very proper English gentleman. And uh, I said, I keep getting this word fornication. I don't know what it means. He went, <laughs> like, <laughs> and so, and I said, do you think it means I, I need to get married? He said, that's what it means. It means that. Because <laughs> I got the feeling. So I looked at my wife in a very romantic way, said, what about it, babe? And uh, that was our proposal. And uh, so within three weeks, we were married and church gave us all these gifts and everything. And so, uh, and then just one thing went for, to another. We had a huge revival in that city. Had about 1,200 people come to Christ over the next... Uh, several months, we just, I, I was uh, at that time uh, working on rubbish carts and hopefully I was meant to be doing some art in the afternoon, but I was generally too high to do that. So I was just do the rubbish and go home and 
But then I read the scripture says, touch not the unclean thing. So I knew I had to leave being a rubbishman. And uh, <laughs> we went out and just preached on the streets and got people converted. And I used to do it exactly the way they did it to me. You know, just get out, come out, you devil, and get filled with the Holy Spirit. And that was, we, uh, we, saw, we saw so many, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people coming to Jesus. That was like the Jesus Revolution. And uh, it was in the early 70s. And that moved on into the charismatic movement. And then we saw a church growth movement. And, uh, and God has been moving in fantastic ways all down through, the, through, the, through this you know, past few decades. And I, I am anticipating that right now we are just about on the tipping point, cusp of a, such a, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And I believe that this church is going to be one of those great churches that will be filled and find themselves in a whole new day of outpouring from the Spirit. So let me uh, quickly get underway here because I want to get to the end of this message, uh, <clears throat> which is really what my point is. But getting there, I need to take us through some steps. This spirit of faith, it's an attitude. It's an attitude that you have in your life. Because faith isn't just about what you believe, it's about who you are. It's not just about, I believe certain things, it's about being bold. It's about being confident. It's about being positive. That's what faith is. That's where God lives. God lives in that environment. He doesn't live in the dark. He doesn't live in negativity. He doesn't live in the doubtful zone. God lives in an environment of faith. And so when you create that environment of faith, you have created an environment in which the power of God can travel, in which God Himself can dwell. The beautiful thing about faith is that everybody's got it. Every single person in this room, you have got faith. You've got great faith inside of you. It may feel like the size of a mustard seed, but you've got it. And the next most beautiful thing about faith is that you can switch it on. You don't have to wait until you get faith. You've got it. And now that you've got it, you can decide in this meeting, I'm going to switch it on. I'm going to switch it on for my friend's sake. I'm going to switch it on for my children's sake. I'm going to switch it on for my husband's sake, for my wife's sake, for my friend's sake, for my associates, for my colleagues' sake. We're going to be reaching out to these people around us. And we need to have both belief on the inside and a boldness inside of us that will reach out to the people that we're trying to reach for Jesus Christ. The power of God travels in this atmosphere that you create now. Went, and I'm going to take us through several things that we can do to actually make that happen. Down the back of our uh, house in Sydney, we have a swimming pool. If I go down there and I'm goofing off down one end and you come down with a hairdryer at another end and plug it in, switch it on and throw it in the swimming pool, I will feel something because... Water is a conductor of electricity. But if I get a big rubber block and you cut the wires on the hairdryer and you stick it on one side, I put my hand on the other, I will feel nothing because rubber is an insulator for the power of God. So unbelief is like that insulator. It's like this, this rubber blockage between the power of God and your, your circumstance. And as long as I'm negative and unbelieving and worrying and doubtful and anxious about that happening, I am limiting what God can do in my world. He will not override my decision to, to be an unbeliever or to be a believer. 
And so when Jesus went to his hometown, it says he could not do any mighty miracle there. Not that he would not, he just could not. His power was limited. Even in the book of Psalms, it says they limited the Holy One of Israel. He could have done so much more if they had just decided to believe what the Word says instead of what their eyes were seeing. And so to make that decision, it's a tough decision sometimes, but this morning, I want you to switch off all that negativity and switch on faith and say, it's going to happen. Somehow God's going to bring it to pass. I don't know how, it looks impossible, I can't see how it's ever going to, but I'm going to start believing today. I'm going to create an environment in which the power of God is going to travel. And it's not just for today, it's for tomorrow and the next day and the next day. It's to keep switching that faith on until we see what our prayers have been believing for. In Isaiah 64 verse 5, this Spirit is manifested in our life in joyfulness, in a positive attitude. Isaiah 64 5 says, You meet Him who rejoices and does righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. The way of faith is the way of God. That's how He works. He works in that environment of a believing people. And we live in such a Thomas generation that you only believe a thing that you can see. But God is saying, I want you to understand that if you get into the spirit and attitude where you switch on your attitude of faith and you start to agree with God and believe God and project a positive light-filled atmosphere, you are gonna have a place for God to dwell and to move in your life. This, uh, you meet Him who rejoices. I, when I saw this, I thought about, you know, how many Christians believe that, that, that they, they, to be deep, they, they can't be happy. It's like, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Very good. Jesus is wonderful. He saved my soul and He is glorious. Well, I don't want what you've got. Whatever it is, that looks like a disease. And if it's contagious, I'm staying away. Nobody, nobody goes to Greenland for a holiday. Everybody goes to Hawaii where the sun is smiling. It's warm. It's, it's inviting. It's compelling, Jesus said. Be compelling. So to actually be attractive and not repelling is, is very important. Listen, if you are a repelling Christian, could you just stop it, please? Just stop it today and say, I'm going to turn into an attractive believer. Amen. I'm going to be someone who's magnetic. People just want to hang out with me. I mean, would people choose if they had one night in their world left, would they choose to have dinner with you or just to spend the night with you? Or would they think, oh, no, I don't want to do that. You say, but I'm a Christian. Yeah, being a Christian is one thing, but being a nice person is another. Being a, a wonderful person to be around and to, to be a party, a celebration, you can be that. Come on, you can. If you're boring, stop it today. Just stop it. Just stop being boring. You're meant to be exciting. And somebody who's a party, who's, who's not having to have artificial substances or anything, you've got it all inside a fountain that bubbles up all the time. And that's, that's what, this, you meet him who rejoices. How many got children? How many got children? Yeah, okay. I, I got three, like, Pastor said, and you know, they were wonderful until they got born. And uh, that was, <laughs> I read something the other day that said, I've decided not to have kids. The kids are taking it pretty hard. And uh, <laughs> anyway, you know, uh, kids, 
good, you know, like they're great and you, you, when they're little babies and then they get to be two and they get that nasal twang. I don't want to get them in. I don't want them in. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, that whine. You're in the supermarket. They're pulling on your dress. They go, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Fluid coming out of every hole in their head. It's like, I don't want to go. I don't want to. I don't want to. Just for the record, I don't have a dress. I'm talking about my wife at the supermarket. But you're from Peterborough, right? You, you go to Kingsgate. You're intelligent. You know what to do. You have another one. Now you got two of these things. And you got, you got like, my God, they got, you know, like they're in the back seat of the car, all tied into their little seat, and they're pull, yeah, pulling my hair. I don't know. Don't look out my window. That's my window. I don't know. You know, punch me. Peterborough, right? Kingsgate. You know what to do. You have another one. Now, now you've got three of these things sitting in the back seat of your car. The little one is just a little baby. You go to McDonald's, what are you thinking? You know, you come out of the drive-thru, there's French fries coming out that little kid's ears and nose and milkshakes on its head. And they're all going, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. God. Seven billion people in the world driving in the front seat. Backseat, seven billion. I don't like you. I'm gonna throw a ball on you. This whole whining world. It's no wonder that he says, I will meet him who's rejoicing. I'll turn up. Anybody want to get happy? I'll spend the night with you. I'm gonna turn up and be around people who have faith-filled atmospheres in their life, and I'll work with you. So I want to give you three directions quickly. Faith in God is number one. Have faith in God. And all of us, I find that not too hard. We believe that He is going to do things. The second one is more challenging. In Philippians 4.13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that's faith in me. I can do this. Everybody say this, I can do this. Some people think, oh, I can't do this marriage anymore. Yeah, you can do it. Something, I'm good at raising my kids. You can do it. You're thinking, I can't get a raise. I can do it. You can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. You might think I'm not emotionally strong for this, enough for this, this situation. You can do it. I don't know if I can buy a house. You can do it. You can do it. Settle in. You know, I, I don't know if I can do the internship. I, you can do it. I don't know if I can reach out to my neighbor and bring them to church. You can do it. I don't know if I can get them involved in, in Alpha. You can do it. I can do this. If you start to believe God is with you, but He needs you to believe that you can do this and not just be trying to palm all off to Him. We're crying out for revival. He said, send revival. He said, well, I sent the, 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 the Son, uh, the Holy Spirit and the Bible. We haven't got a lot left up here. Uh, what, what, your move, have a go now, you know, like you go for it. So we go to faith in others. Now you've got to believe in your your. your Others, and, and I love this. It isn't just about believing in one another here in church. It's about believing in the people you're trying to reach. Most often we don't believe in, in people uh, and, and people feel it. But I have found that it's an astonishing thing. When Jesus came to Nathaniel, Nathaniel's the cynic. He says, can any good thing come out of Israel, out of Nazareth? And, and Jesus meets him and says, behold, an Israelite in whom is no guile. What? 
The guy's full of guile. He's a cynic. But Jesus is saying to him, you're a better man than this. This isn't the real you. He meets Peter and he says, Simon, you're a rock. You're not a reed blown around the wind. Jesus would speak life into these people. Not a lot of them have had it. And even people who've never met Christ, to speak life into them, to speak the love of God into them. Not just trying to bring hell, fire, and brimstone down on their life, but actually to reach out to them with love. I want to take you to three steps, uh, three steps of faith. Faith prays, James 5.15. So start to pray for your friends and your family and believe God they're going to come. When you pray, you need to believe that what you're praying is going to happen. Here's the three things prayer does. It desires, it decides, and it asks. So you've got to have this desire. I want them in the kingdom. And it needs not just to be a pale want. It needs to be a passionate, red hot fire, desperation. God, I want them in the kingdom. That's where faith begins. We don't just casually, oh yeah, that'd be nice to have that. But when there's a passion on the inside of our heart, a fire that's burning, God, I want this to happen. When we lose our breath in prayer, say, God, if it only could happen. So we decide and we make the decision. James says, if you ask not, you have not. And then he says, the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let not that person think that he will receive anything from the Lord. So if I'm double-minded, maybe I want, maybe I don't. You got to say, this person's going to come to Jesus Christ. I'm going to see this business go ahead. We're going to buy that house. We're going to step out. This is, and you make decisions. Momentum in life is hard to get, but it's gotten by making decisions. And then it's maintained by keeping on making decisions. In church life, in leadership, in any area, many times leaders plateau out into being managers. Nothing wrong with managers, but they're just maintaining what they once led into. And to keep leading, you've got to actually keep making new decisions. They keep stretching everybody and taking the people to places they've never been before. And so momentum is, is sacred in our lives. And the last one is ask. You've got to ask with persistence and keep on asking, the Bible says. Don't give up. The second thing out of these three steps is that faith receives. Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. You get a thing before you get it. You don't get it when you get it. So these two areas are see it and speak it. I'm not sure what process you went through in getting this magnificent building put together, but we had terrible wars with our local council. We started with a 5,000 seat auditorium. Then we had to scale it down to 3,000. And then the only thing they were happy with was a 1,000 seat auditorium. We happily have expanded to almost double that since then, but we had 40,000 signatures against us. We were refused three times over a period of eight years down at the, uh, at the local council. And during that time, I had the church inside of me, but it was, it was crazy because it seemed like it was never going to come to pass. And I just had to keep on believing that the substance within me was something that was going to happen out in front of me. So I had received this, but I couldn't see it happening. Nobody else could. And yet I knew it was in there. A couple of years ago, when our daughter had her second child, we went down to the medical center and they put the jelly on her belly and did the sonogram goes over like that up on the screen there was this little 
you saw, you know, the snowy look. And, and then there's this little baby in there, like this. And I go, wow, look at that. That's up there. Now, if I came to you today and I put the sonogram over your spirit, what comes up on the screen? What do you got on the inside of you about your future? Because that's what's coming to pass. If there's nothing conceived on the inside of us, then we need to go to prayer. So I believe God, this is gonna happen. And then one day, this thing drops into your soul. You know that person's coming to Christ. You know that's gonna happen. And then you see it and you prophesy, see it and speak it. The last point I wanna make here is that faith acts. Everybody say action. In James 2.26, it says, faith without works is dead. In Luke chapter five, there's this magnificent story of Jesus coming to Peter the fisherman and he's mending the nets on the shore. He's, he's folding them up. He's gotten all the Coca-Cola cans, the plastic bags and all the junk out of his net and it's just sitting there really nice. There's 250 fishermen Josephus tells us, along the shores of Galilee. And nobody's caught anything. It's been a tough night. And Jesus says to Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Well, Peter's not happy about this because he says, I've worked hard all night and I've caught nothing. I've worked hard all night and caught nothing. I've tried 20 times to witness to that person. And it's been through some very tough times and nothing's happened. Nevertheless, Jesus is still saying, have another go. Launch out again. And there's a big difference here because when you're doing things in your own effort, it can be very hard. But if we would listen to God and hear from Him, in about two minutes, I'm gonna ask everybody who's trying to reach somebody for Christ to stand and I'm gonna pray for you. And we're gonna believe together here today that before the end of the year, you'll have somebody who's never been in church before sitting beside you, hearing the gospel and making a decision to have Jesus come into their world. So yeah, let's believe God together. Amen. You're gonna do that? But here is Peter. He's, he's not happy. Like it's embarrassing to have another go, especially when all your friends are, no, there's nothing happening out there. But he's heard the voice of God. Just go out there. And put it over that side. Try it this way. And Jesus said, let down your nets for a catch. But the Bible tells us in Luke 5, Peter took a net. So that tells me he's upset. He's in that boat rowing very slowly. What will he know about fishing? I'm the carpenter. He's a carpenter. I'm the fisherman. All these guys laughing at me. Yeah, I want to go home. I want to have bacon and eggs with my wife. <laughs> Which you've got to admit is pretty liberated for a Jewish person. Amen. <laughs> but I'll just put it down in the shallows. What would he know about fishing? You know. I said the deep, Peter. <laughs> No, that wasn't the deep. You want deep? I'll give you deep. All right, we'll go right out here. Goes way out in the middle of the lake. Says, is this deep enough? Throws the net out. See, there's no fish out here. He looks down and there's this whole school of harpooka have come into the net. Then a couple of porpoises come. Then there's this great orca whale. Coming through the ocean. 
There's all these snappers coming in. Then the crayfish and crabs get in. There's a flock of geese flying in the net. You know, he's like holding all this net skiing around. Lake Galley, hi everybody, and crunches up on the shore. Jesus, forgive me. I never thought this could happen. I, I, Jesus says, Peter, this isn't about catching fish. This is about catching people. Fear not. From here on in, you're going to be a fisher of men. If you're wanting to see somebody come to Christ, I want you to stand right now. Would you just stand? Let me pray for you. Wherever you are, and you're trying to reach out to that person in this month of this theme of the power of God's love reaching into people's lives. Heavenly Father, right here, right now, right across this auditorium, can you just close your eyes, lift your hands and reach out to God if you're comfortable with that? Father in heaven, I pray you'll empower every person here this morning and you'll speak into their lives a word from heaven about timing, about place, about an act of kindness that might open the heart, about not just preaching, but being Christ to people, about not just hoping, but believing, about not being timid, but being bold. Father, I'm praying that every believer here would be filled with the love of God, with the power of Jesus. Right now, we see those people that we're believing for standing here in church next to us, weeping, receiving. We see them in the house of God with the Bible in their hand, in love with God, searching for you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, give the Lord a great clap offering, would you?